0: most questions that we're having is, what are my obligations to my employee? And what are my obligations to maintain a safe workplace? And yeah, there are a lot of layers, and it it is an an ever-changing world. I think the good thing is that um, it seems that even with all of the guidelines, uh, common sense sort of prevails. If something seems like it makes sense and it's the right thing to do, you're generally going to be okay. Sort of like the common sense of my employee is sick. What do I do? Well, send them home.
1: We're going to do our best to get new thinking out there. There's going to be discussions centered around growth and new thinking. That's where those great ideas
2: come from. Exploring them together. Nuggets that you can go back and put into your dealership that will help you make more money. This is Garage Cast. podcast episode number 32 on the line with me i have my partner in crime sam Dansler. sam how you doing fantastic sir how are you tony i'm doing wonderful you find yourself in
1: california today yes i do i i think our uh our guest speakers are going to be an interesting conversation as i just flew in the burbank airport again since you and i were here for that last harley meeting so a uh, little different feeling out here in california right now as opposed to the rest of the world i think
2: For everybody out there listening to the Garage Cast, this is a special episode that we put together. And we put it together because of the need that we're starting to see a ton of traffic on the email forums in our our 20 clubs of dealers asking questions about... It it, it would appear, Sam, to you and me, that uh, the second wave of this
1: coronavirus is having a much larger effect on the staffing of dealerships. Would you agree? I I would agree. I think for a long time, we had several dealers... You know, we talked about the COVID in round one, but nobody really knew anyone who was getting it. And now we're starting to see not only staff get it, but you're starting to see customers get it. And there's a lot of angst about. So what do we do as a result of this legally and otherwise? So right on board with you there. And there was a million questions
2: involved. I mean, you had had one of your dealers in one of your 20 clubs that literally it was that individual manning the entire dealership because the rest of the dealership either had it or wouldn't come in because of it. I've had dealers uh, in some of my 20 clubs that were like, hey, I have this employee X who has it or their mother had it. And what should I do? And so, quite frankly, I think there was a ton of internet lawyers out there in our group saying, Hey, you should do this or don't do that. And so we decided that the best thing for us to do was to go to the source. And so with us today, um, we have some very special guests from our own law firm. We do business with a law firm called Goodspeed and Merrill uh, based out of Greenwood Village, Colorado. They've done fantastic work for us in our business. And so we went to them with a, a bunch of different questions. And Hey, would you guys like to jump on a podcast and kind of explain some Broad legal legal speak, right? Uh, for some of the things you can and can't be doing. So, on the line with us today, we have two uh, important guests, Karen Safran and John Sauer from the law firm of Goodspeed Merrill. Karen and John, thank you guys so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having us, Tony. This is a very dynamic time, and uh, you know, one of the issues that we're dealing with as lawyers is that the rules and regulations and guidance is changing day by day. So. We'll be giving you up to the minute right now, as of today, thoughts and best guidance on this. But if you called us tomorrow, the answer is Absolutely. Be hey, different.
2: Sam, one thing I got right off the bat is lawyers trying to cover their sex right off the bat, right? Hey, so anything <laughs> I say right now, don't count That's on it,
1: right. right? So <laughs> yeah, 24 hours later, that does not count. And, and hey, just for the record, as long right in the front end of this podcast, we have two very smart people explaining this whole conversation to two primates. So please take it slow with us, Karen and John.
0: That's that a problem, uh, guys. Yeah. And, you know, just to, to reiterate what John said, I mean, they were just changes that came out from the CDC last Thursday. So it, this is a really ever changing landscape that we're all just sort of like trying to navigate through. I say, you know, we're, we're kind of. We don't know which way the current is going and we may or may not have a paddle, but we're all well, swimming together.
1: Let's just go right in with that, Karen. You talked about changing the landscape. How has COVID changed the landscape of businesses right now? Like, where are we right now? So we can we can pontificate about where we're going. But uh, where do you feel the average retail business owner is relative to COVID right now and where should they be?
0: Well, I think it's the, the you know, where should they be is everybody needs to be as nimble as possible. I mean, we just look at how the world just sort of flipped upside down. And uh, we went from brick and mortar to remote to shop at home to everything is now going concierge service, um, which I think people like. And that may be the wave of the future. I don't know. Uh, We're seeing how everybody's working off of Zoom and WebEx um, for John and, and, you know, in our world, the uh, courts are doing that. So we're having trials and hearings and everybody's in their living room um, and the judge is in the courtroom and they're trying to figure out how to examine witnesses and how to, how to be like, you know, Matlock or Perry Mason. Everything has changed and everybody's just forced to reevaluate and look at their business models and see what's working, what's not, and be prepared to change just on a dime to something yeah, that, new. Yeah,
2: that's that's fascinating to me. It's funny. We had some technical difficulties yesterday with audio and you know, Karen, you were at home and John was in the office. And so we had you come in today and you know, when we're setting up and prepping to do this, you're like, Hey man, we got to keep six feet distance and this and that. So, I mean, it, it has absolutely changed, completely. So let's jump into the meat and potatoes of what is going on right now. And we're just going to hit you, Sam and I are just going to hit you with some questions that we have heard or seen some of our dealers put into the email forms. And there may be an answer, there may not be. And and I have to imagine, and I'm going to let you guys explain this right off the get-go, which is state to state, rules are different, laws are different. Is there federal rules overarching over the top of that? So maybe in your answers, you can keep that Uh, in the back of your mind for the people listening to this. But the the one big question that we're hearing from all of our dealers is we're getting a lot of our of our clients that somebody in their dealership tests positive for COVID. Okay. What are employers legally supposed to do by law, not by morals or ethics, but what do they have to do at that point?
3: So Tony, I think that's a really good point to raise is that there are a variety of different layers to any, you know, to this particular issue. The federal government has taken the most relaxed view under the Trump administration. There's a fight between the White House and the CDC as to what should be in the CDC guidelines. And the CD gu- CDC guidelines are generally good, but they're more relaxed uh, typically than the state orders that are coming from governors in the form of executive orders, and then in terms of orders that are coming from, and then those executive orders are put in place by uh, public health authorities. And then in Colorado, and you know we know for sure in a lot of other states that the local governments are also either doing their best to be even more restrictive than the state orders, or in some instances, actually getting in legal fights with the state government over the enforceability of the executive orders. With respect to what an employer is legally required to do when an employee tests positive for COVID, the first thing is, is that employers in Colorado and most likely in other states are under an obligation to actively monitor their employees under the EEOC guidelines. Monitoring employees is perfectly okay. That's you know asking basic questions. Have you had any symptoms related to COVID? Do you have a temperature over 100, and 100 degrees 0.4? Have you been in contact with anybody that's had COVID? And the idea with the monitoring is that hopefully you're able to identify an employee that could infect the rest of your workforce and prevent the infection in the first place. Whether that's a local or state requirement, it's not a federal requirement One thing to keep in mind, though, is that it's generally good advice because you could protect your entire workforce and you wouldn't end up like that gentleman that you spoke about earlier where he's running the entire show. The question of what they're supposed to do once somebody clearly tests positive or has symptoms of COVID is the employee should be immediately relieved from duty, sent home to self-quarantine, and then they're required to stay at home until they can present a doctor's note establishing that they're fit for duty. One of the questions that comes up constantly in employment law generally is we have an employee that's been sick or was injured on the job or concerned about whether they're actually able to perform their job. Can we request that they provide a doctor's note releasing them to duty? Under the EEOC guidelines and ADA guidelines, that's always appropriate to make sure that the employee is able to perform the essential function of their position. And if they're not, then the analysis needs to conform with whatever state disability laws are in effect or the
2: ADA. So that covers a ton of ambiguity that I think a lot of dealers have is listen, you come down with COVID, you have to now go home for 14 days. And then if you want to return back to duty, you need to get a doctor's note that says you are fit and able to come back and safe for, for the rest of the community and the dealership. So uh, that's, that's a really great answer. I think that shines a ton of light right off the bat.
0: I was going to say that that's definitely, yeah. definitely a best practice. I think um, because of the layers involved in in, sorry, in oversight, um, you, you have to realize that there's really no law, per se, when it comes to what do I do with COVID. Um, on the federal level, we have the CDC, which has issued guidelines. It hasn't issued any mandates, really. So that's your, your best practices, and that's a great resource to, to see what you should be doing and, and how you should be dealing with your employees. The states have, um, most of the states are, have executive orders. Sometimes they're through the governor, sometimes they're through the state's Department of Health. And that's what you would, where you would go to find your specific regulations on what you have to do. So to give an example, you know, in Colorado, we just had a statewide um, governor's executive order that everybody has to wear masks. And we also have statewide mandates about you can only have so many people and so much in in space and limitations on gathering so that's at your state level so the state is has the enforcement against you and the federal level is a little bit more of a guideline as far as what to do about that, that's COVID. great
1: clarification because that's what i was sitting with over here cuz the question original question was legally what do we have to do and what i heard was a good best practice so thank you for the clarification on that let let me throw a little follow up on that a little bit more ambiguity if you will employee a gets COVID and gets sent home employee B comes to the manager and says, well, I don't, I'm scared now because we haven't had anybody get COVID in the store and now someone has COVID in the store. And so how do you suppress the, I guess what I'm trying to ask is with a rigid standard, whether it's a best practice or a state law, Does that alleviate the pain points of the employee just feeling like they don't want to be in that environment? Or is there a best practice to accommodate the other employees who may not want to come to work because that employee, A, got contracted with or got COVID?
3: The short answer to your question, Tony, is that there's no obligation for an employer to accommodate an employee that's simply just fearful of contracting COVID in the workplace. And under those circumstances, you start having more difficult discussions about, can we let this employee go? Should we put this employee on some sort of indefinite leave? Can we require them to use up their vacation time or built up PTO? The primary law that Congress is relying on right now in connection with other debates about whether employers and other businesses should be relieved of any liability associated with contracting COVID is what's called the OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Uh, Their general duty clause, which requires generally that an employer provide a safe working environment. And what does that mean in the era of COVID is something that's very fluid and very quickly evolving, which is one of the issues that we keep addressing because it's very employer dependent. What kind of employment, what kind of workplace is this? Is this a factory where you have people working side by side? Is this a meatpacking plant where you have people that are very actively packing meat? um, and Or is this a car dealership? And under those circumstances, the question arises, what are my obligations under the general duty clause to provide a safe working environment? And generally, the CDC guidelines, an employer that follows the CDC guidelines with respect to ensuring that the workplace is safe, that there's hand washing, that high-touch areas have been identified. And Taken care of, and that any reports of potential positive have been handled appropriately, uh, will likely absolve an employer of any liability under the OSHA general duty clause, and an employer would be providing a safe workspace. You know, we saw this with the meatpacking plants here in Colorado, where they actually had to shut down for about three weeks because they were unable to otherwise get the COVID infections under control. They had over 700 employees in Greeley uh, that were infected and a number that died. Uh, And the response by the employer was largely appropriate. When it's out of control, you really can't continue to operate because you're unable to provide a safe working space
1: for your employees. Gotcha. Gotcha. Let me switch to the person who got sent home. Let's go back to that employee A who got sent home. We were just talking about the staff. What what is the requirement of the dealership or the employer to care for that person while at home? It's it's one thing to say you're on quarantine until you bring a doctor's note and come back to work. What is the obligation of the employer to the infected employee?
3: There's a number of federal laws that touch on what an employer is required to do, but generally speaking The primary guidance on uh, the leave requirements for an employee that's been infected with COVID under federal law is the Family First Coronavirus Response Act, FFCRA. And the FFCRA requires that an employer provide for full-time employees 80 hours or for part-time employees equivalent number of hours um, for basically two weeks off work at a paid rate. And then depending on... The size of the employer, FMLA can be invoked where an employee could be entitled to a certain period of unpaid leave. And then under the ADA, leave as an accommodation for an illness like this could potentially be required for an employer to give. These are the most complicated questions that we receive right now, at least for me, in terms of what are, what are the leave requirements for this particular employee? and the situation that you're addressing where it's simply an employee that has covid and is sent home that's a little more uh, simple of an answer to give but the reality is is what happens when that person recovers and then their their spouse gets it or what happens when their daycare shuts down or their their local school shuts down because there's federal obligations under the FFCRA to provide leave to parents whose children's school was shut or for someone that has to live with what's called a vulnerable individual. Under those circumstances, there's an enormous amount of, unfortunately, investigation that the employer has to do to determine their obligations under federal law as well as state law. And in Colorado, you know, January 1st, they're already implementing brand new uh, leave requirements, essentially six days off work paid. But the question is whether that will be, Eclipsed by uh, an extension of the FFCRA leave, which expires at the end of this year.
2: Great resources right there uh, for, for people that uh, are listening. The FFCRA, great ideas on infected employees. Let, let me switch to a different topic that came up in one of our peer advisory groups is so you've either furloughed somebody or somebody is telling you that they don't want to come into work. Um, what is within your rights as an employer if somebody doesn't want to come back to work? That is either furloughed, or they're telling you, "Hey, listen, Bob got COVID nineteen, and now I, I don't want to come to work." What what can employers do?
0: Well, I think that and you get into your employer employee best practice, and you have to um, kind of understand what the relationship is. And employers really should talk to the employee and really and find out what the issue is. Um, is it a generalized fear or is it, you know, is there something a little bit more specific where the employee is part of a you know vulnerable in, individual classification um, just to kind of get to the root of it? I mean, the reality is, is if, if an employee is furloughed and you call them back and they just refuse to come back, that that's a, the, it's the is essentially quitting because they're not going to come back to work. You don't have a protected status by saying, I'm afraid of getting COVID. Um, but, you know, as, as an employer, employee is a relationship and you know, it's a valued employee. Sometimes the employer you know, can be flexible and just work with this person and see if they want to keep them on board, if there's a way to accommodate their fear. Um, but you, as an employer, you're not required to say, okay, you don't have to come back if, because just, just because you're afraid of getting
1: COVID. Well, and and that one came up because, uh, the person that Tony was referring to earlier, when a particular manager in the, in his store had quit, you had several technicians that came to the table and said that they, they're fearful of getting it because somebody in the store had it and what was the obligation of the employer to those people? And, and I think your answer is spot on. If the employee just quits, then, then the employee quits. But let's talk about precautions internally uh, that the dealer can, should, or should legally take hand sanitizer, plexiglass, stickers on the floor, changing areas for the clothing and accessories department, things along those lines. Are there requirements that are mandates other than just good ideas to alleviate some of the pain points or the fear for the employees that we should be looking at?
0: I think they would have to look at first their state to see if there are any specific mandates, because that's the only level where you would have a a mandate coming through. Um, Beyond that, you start looking at the CDC guidelines and and, uh, they have Almost for every industry, they have a number of suggestions on things to do. A lot of it is going to just be dependent on what the workplace looks like. Um, They're saying that uh, to the extent possible, do what you can to minimize touch points. So prop doors open, make sure that there's adequate ventilation, which is great right now because we're in the middle of the summer, but if you're in January in, in Wisconsin or, or Detroit, where I'm from originally, uh, you don't want to leave your shop doors open all the time. You can, if you've, you're dealing with customers coming in, as we've all seen at the grocery stores, you can have plexiglass, customer um, service employees I've seen, they wear masks and shields. Um, there's just really, it's a number of guidelines that really are going to depend on you know the nature of the shop. Um, some of them talk about splitting shifts so that you have half your workforce in at a given time. You're breaking your shifts up just to minimize the number of people that might be on at any given time. Gotcha. So if an employee
2: believes that they uh, that they contracted the virus at work, is there any liability placed on the business for making employees work? And And I know making employees work may not be the correct way to state it is everybody has an option to not work, but is there any legalities that could befall the, the employer for having people come to work and they contract it from what they think is a workplace?
0: To give you one of the favorite lawyers answers, mm-hmm. it depends. You know, th- there are some requirements that, uh, that the CDC has, and your, your local government probably has. So if you have your employee comes down with COVID, there's a first recommendation is to the extent possible, kind of close off the area where that employee mm-hmm. was working for 24 hours and then clean it. And the reason is, I think, to just let whatever residual virus particles, you know, let them degrade a little bit more before you go in and clean it. Any employee who is in close contact with the employee who tested positive should be sent home also and asked to quarantine for, uh, for 14 days. You know, that's, that's the quick thing with what, what you have to do. And then obviously, you know, deep clean wherever the employee was working or where, whatever they were touching. The the reality is that it's hard to establish unless you have, like John was describing with like the meatpacking plants where you had these you know, hundreds of employees getting sick and they were able to say, yeah, they were getting sick because they were at work. Um, it's hard to establish that the employee got sick because the employee was at work because, you know, in our daily lives, how many people do we just randomly encounter? So there's, there's not immediately going to be a liability to the employer. I think as long as the employer is taking reasonable steps to keep the employees safe, so you're talking about having hand sanitizer, encouraging hand washing, you know, keeping people apart and, and taking reasonable steps, the employer is more than likely going to be okay and not going to have to worry about OSHA liability for having an unsafe workplace.
3: One thing I'd add to this is that in Colorado, we have what's called the exclusive remedy to a workplace injury, and that's workers' comp. It's a very strong legal principle that if you're injured on the job here in Colorado, your only remedy against your employer is through the workers' comp. And there's actually some statutes within the Workers' Comp Act that touch on uh, catching an infectious disease at work and what proof is required to establish that employee is entitled to workers' comp benefits under that regime. Uh, there are states that do not have workers' comp as an exclusive remedy and may have other exceptions to that law. So it's something to educate yourself on in terms of how does workers' comp interplay with this. Another development that's happened recently is this con- contact tracing being so effective to basically be able to identify the individual where you contracted the disease. And under those circumstances, there are businesses that are getting nervous about, well, if my employee gets sick and they trace it back to my other employee that I should have sent home, am I subject to some sort of liability? The debate in Congress right now is. What liability should we permit against businesses and employers related to COVID? Generally speaking, I mean, there's almost no doubt in my mind, there will be something passed that will limit liability for businesses in connection with COVID. To the extent that it gets watered down, it'll be watered down to likely either a negligence or a gross negligence standard which means that employers and businesses can really build in defenses for themselves if they take the time to educate themselves on their local public health orders, their state public health orders, and spend some time on the CDC website to make determinations about what safety protocols should they have uh, in place.
1: You know, I'm, I'm hearing that as an employer and I'm just like, oh boy, <laughs> right? I mean, where where does the thing stop and... Look, none of this is fun. We really appreciate you guys taking time to go through some of this. I, I wrote down some keywords that you know, plenty of layers. Be nimble. I just wrote down my own words here. Pin, it's, this is like trying to pin down water; it keeps changing on us. Go with the guidelines, and you should be all right as a business. What What are we not asking you to? What is the question that we haven't asked yet that you get frequently? that we just haven't touched on that we maybe don't even know to ask at this point.
0: You know, you've hit on the, on the big ones because I think most, most questions that we're having is what are my obligations to my employee? And what are my obligations to maintain a safe workplace? And yeah, there are a lot of layers and it it is an an ever changing world. I think the good thing is that um, it seems that even with all of the guidelines uh, common sense sort of prevails if something seems like it makes sense and it's the right thing to do, you're generally going to be okay sort of like the common sense of my employee is sick what do I do? Well send them home or telling your employees if you're sick don't come in you know a, a good practice is to uh, you know have a clear policy so that everybody's on the same page and everybody understands and your employees, Ask your employees. I mean there are there are programs out there like apps where the employees can actually do a self-check-in before coming in and they are certifying to the employer. I, I don't have COVID symptoms, I haven't been tested positive for COVID, I haven't knowingly been in direct contact with anyone who has COVID. And if I I agree that if I have symptoms, you know, I'm going to leave the workplace, I'm not going to come into work and I will seek medical treatment. I think that's the important thing is just making sure that the employers and the employees are on the same page and that there's some clear communication. between You know, Karen, the as groups. you as
1: you simplified that down, we're sitting here talking about the relations between employee and employer. Uh, l- let me let me throw one more wrench into that, which is the customers. The cu- What obligation does the employee have or the business have to the customers coming in the door, particularly in the motorcycle industry, if there are group rides that are being offered, if there are demos on boats where the salesperson is on the boat with the I, is there is there some overt liability that we're not thinking of relative to some of those?
3: I would say one thing about this is that the difficulty and the reason that these public health orders are so long is that they're drafting these orders to apply to daycare centers, churches, employers. Uh, what are the obligations to customers? And generally speaking, the obligations to customers are very similar to the obligations to employees. If there's a mandatory mask order for, you know, employees. Then they should be wearing their masks in front of customers. And there's also just being careful, right? I mean, that's nobody really wants to get COVID. So wash your hands, wear your mask, uh, use your hand sanitizer, and make sure that you're following what the local requirements are with respect to that. None of those circumstances, you'll be meeting the obligations for your customers as well as your employees.
0: I think some of it, too, is just being a little creative and being flexible. So if you're talking about somebody wanting to come in and take a look at a boat, um, maybe the, the practice has to be that you limit it. And it, you can be, you know, this, this may be dangerous to the marriage. It can be the husband, but not the wife. <laughs> uh, or, vice, or vice versa. The number of people who can come into, the, come into the showroom at any given time. You know, go to appointment only as opposed to walk-ins, and just kind of think about ways to minimize the number of people that are in the store. As far as group rides go, um, the same kind of thing is just sort of being careful. It's it's a little bit, air quotes, safer because everybody's outside, so you don't have that physical contact. Uh, But maybe you think about limiting the size of the group for the ride for the time. Um, just to kind of keep have keep from having these large gatherings of people or, you know, you sort of minimize how where it's starting. You don't have a gathering at the beginning, just everybody just kind of hits the road and goes and spends less time hanging out together.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic stuff, man. This is uh, all really helpful to any employer out there. To finish up, We have dealers uh, all throughout the United States in every single state in the country and into Canada and some in Mexico. But for those uh, that are in the U.S., where can our clients go to get more information from you guys?
3: Well, the CDC website's a great um, resource. And then your local state government's going to have its own executive orders and then it'll have its public health orders online. And typically those public health orders carry the same weight as law. You can also contact us. Uh, my email address is J S a U E R at good dot com. That's G O O D S P E E D M E R R I L L.com. And Karen's is K Safran S A F R A N at good
0: okay,
2: Wonderful. Hey gang out there. You guys both got the email addresses. If you want to get in touch with uh, Karen or John, get some information, that they may have or spend some time with them, please hit them up and get in touch. They would love to hear from you guys. Again, this was an episode that Sam and I felt needed to come out and needed to come out right now with the second surge in COVID cases, Karen and John, thank you guys so much for your time. We appreciate it please don't send us a bill because we're we're over the free mark i know with our <laughs> legal team so let's not do that but we're friends hey gang out there uh, this is an episode 32 for sam dantzler i appreciate you guys tuning in i hope this all helped thank you
1: guys thanks everyone